the American people will soon find out if the United States is going to war. Fires are raging across Brazil's Amazon rainforest. At the stroke of midnight, the U.S. hit China with tariffs on $34 billion worth of goods. Hurricane Dorian made landfall with wind speeds of 185 miles per hour. Multiple drones bombed Saudi Arabia's largest oil facilities today. 60,000 people have fled their homes in northeastern Syria. It's like these 500-year floods or 100-year floods. They're happening every other year. Anti-government protesters in Hong Kong have taken to the streets. The magnitude 7.1 quake was felt from Los Angeles all the way to Nevada. It is one of the worst escalations of violence on the Israel-Gaza border in years. The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Randy Reams is pastor of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. Join Pastor Randy now as he shares truths from God's unchanging word. No one receives, and I and forgive me here if it's a little, little technical, it's in the present tense and the active voice, and you go, what? That means that the person's actions are continual and habitual. Continually no one continually receives his testimony as a general. And again, I said this is in contrast to what his disciples were trying to point out, that everybody's going. Okay, but you really can't judge by who responds to an altar call. Just because somebody goes down by Jesus to be baptized by his disciples doesn't make they're really receiving his testimony. But rather those that are preserved by the Holy Spirit, I'm not getting into that. He who has received his testimony, wait a minute, wait a minute, nobody receives his testimony. Now you say who has received his testimony, which is it? Again, you understand language, one's generally broad. Idahoans tend to be independent-minded. Well, unless you go look at a voting chart and you look at certain places around the state, a couple few of them, you go, no, 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 they socialist. But as a general rule, can I say Idaho tend to be independent, conservative type, leave me alone, let me have my guns, and don't tell me what to do. Okay? But there are those in Idaho that aren't that way. So understand how language works. This isn't a contradiction. Okay? He who has received, wait a minute, no one receives, he who has received his testimony, eris nominative, and you go, I know, you don't care. But this really means... Effective, successful, completed action has no really remedy. It doesn't tell you about it. It's done. He who has received his testimony, complete, it's over with, has set a seal, has set his seal to this. That means their own, not, not God's seal, their own seal to this. Okay? That a seal is, is like for us today would be your legal signature, your thumbprint. Or if you have a phone, maybe your facial recognition, okay? It, it, that seal, that, that point of approval, um, confirmed, certified, okay? That person that has received him has certified this, that God is true. Notice what it doesn't, it, what it doesn't say. God is true. If we went to John 8 and 26, in the last half of that verse, he who sent me is true. Who sent him? God. 
And the things which I have heard from him, these I speak to the world. See, God, it doesn't say, certify that God is truthful. Did you catch that? No, God is true, not truthful. Okay. And 2 Timothy 2 and 13 says God can't deny himself. In other words, he can't act outside of a way contradictory to his very nature and character. Okay? So God is truth, therefore God is true. He's not true because he tells the truth. He tells the truth because he is true in and of himself. He cannot lie. He can't do otherwise. Now, you and I, that's another story. Okay, and they learn that really little. Did you eat that cookie? Chocolate all over their face. No, I didn't eat it. But God is true. John 17 and 17. Your word is truth. You can't separate God from his word. You can't do it. I don't know how somebody could say this is God's word, but it's got mistakes. What? And, and Jesus himself says, the only thing he says is what God told him, God the Father. Jesus is God. He can't lie. So when he said, there's no other way to me but through, that's his. When he says, I am the way, the truth, the life, no one, that doesn't mean he's a truth, a, he can't lie. It can't be, it's not in his nature to do, he can't do it. He is truth, and his word is truth. I find it interesting. You can get on. You can debate with people who who are supposedly. I'm going to give them credit. Christians. Yeah, yeah. Well, but you know it says that, but I don't believe that. Well, that that that. Well, that's that's not the God I believe in. Wow. So you don't believe what God said about Himself? He is true. He is. So is the Son. And his word is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. God is true. Jesus speaks his word. Guess what? Okay. To not receive Jesus' testimony, the Son of God, is to deny God himself. Why? Because you make him out to be a liar. Because that's, then if he's a liar, he's not God. He's something else. 1 John in his epistle, John in his epistle, not John the Baptist, the Apostle John, chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. Yep. For the testimony of God is this, that he has testified concerning his Son. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God gave concerning his Son. That's this, by the way, the testimony he gave of his Son. And the testimony is this. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in the Son. If you don't believe that, then you got a whole nother God. A God that lies, that doesn't speak the truth. Okay? And then it says this, for he gives 
God, gives the Spirit without measure. Now, God is the giver. Context, the receiver, is the one God sent. The recipient is Jesus. Okay. So what this is saying is, now look at, now look at, God, he has my words, the testimony about him, this is, and I held nothing back from him. I didn't, I didn't pull bark, pull, hold back some of his godness, some of his truthness, some of his, I, I didn't hold any of that back. It came to him without measure. I didn't divide it up in pieces and let you have some of this and some of that. Those that you would understand kenosis theory, it sort of throws that into the mess. Okay? I'm not going into that. But his de- deity was not diminished in any way. Verse 35, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. You can see this also in Matthew eleven twenty-seven and John 13, 3. Okay, again, basically this. All things, I, I held nothing back from him. All things have been given to him. Jesus calls on this later, and he says, all things have been given to me. Yeah. Verse 36, he who believes in the Son. How many of you ever memorized this passage? I, Chris Wilson and I, I think we did it in the Nav's navigators thing, right, Chris? He who believes in the Son has eternal life. Now watch. But he who does not obey. Oh, stop. Wait a minute. Let me right there. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But, contrast, he who does not believe, you'd think that would be the contrast. Who does not believe would be the contrast to believe, wouldn't you? Does not obey, the Son will not see, the person who does not obey will not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. So there's a link here between this obey idea and belief and obedience. Matter of fact, I would suggest to you, you can go look it up yourself, this word here that's for does not obey. In the King James is translated unbelief or unbelieving. Five times. There is a link between belief and obedience. Disbelief and disobedience. Now some of the more modern translators change that and, and, and turn it into disbelief. Obedient. They try to be consistent, but using the King James, it, it, it goes and says disobey and disbelief. We use the same word and we use it back and forth. Because part of this is, in a, in a, particularly in the Jewish culture, if you said you believe something, that meant your actions backed it up. Thus the book of James. Faith, belief, without works, isn't faith at all. It's dead. It's a dead faith. He who believes in the Son has life. He who doesn't believe, I'll use it that way, the Son, does not have life. Let me put it another way. He who obeys the Son has eternal life. He who does not obey the Son does not have life. I'm just using the words how they're used. But the wrath of God abides on him. There's a word you're not going to hear in a lot of churches. The wrath of God. When I declare to you, I, I'm saved, I'm born again, what I'm saved from is the wrath of God. I've saved from God, by God, by His grace. That's hard for us to put our minds around too, I know that. Okay? But, but one of the things he's saying here is, those who believe 
have life. This is John. Those who don't, what context is it? These people that are following, whether it's him or Christ. Look, at you're going to be able to tell those who are coming to get this baptism thing and following, you're going to be able to tell after a while who really believes. Matter of fact, we know as we read through the Bible, especially when we get through the Gospels, there are a bunch of people following him, especially when he's handing out free food and he's healing the blind and so on. But a lot of them abandon really quick. Uh, uh, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, that's an old phrase. I don't know where it came from. All right. Those who do not believe and do not obey, the wrath of God abides on them. The Almighty, the perfectly holy God, that wrath abides on them. Not the wrath of Putin, not the wrath of a neighbor or his mean pit bull. The wrath of the Almighty, perfectly holy creator of all things, God, abides. That's, one, that, that's wrath you don't want. Okay, It's just general disgust for sin. I mean, that's how wrath is used in the Bible. God's disgust. You don't want him disgusted with you. you. A lot of people you can have disgusted with you, mad at you. But God's not one you want that way. I'm going to now give you some, I'll say, general application of this and some more personal application of this. And the, and the first part, I guess, is a little bit teachy in the sense of hopefully you'll learn something about this. And I think there's many axioms in this that you'll agree with. First point, some folks are more interested in stirring up controversy than they are about having an open dialogue about doctrine. These people often confuse personal preferences and opinions with biblical, biblical orthodoxy or orthopraxy. That's, orthodoxy is doctrine, belief. Orthopraxy is living it out, believing and obeying. Okay? Some of these things might be liturgy. They want to debate whether the pastor should wear a robe. You know, you've seen when they wear robes. Or should we light candles in worship? You know, what order should the church service be in? And they want to create controversy over those things. Those are just preferences and opinions. Maybe head coverings. You guys know the arm, okay? Or, or dress. You know, if you're up front, you got to wear a tie. Now, when I came to Idaho, I was with a, I was the associate pastor for a fellow who who said, I when I was on the platform, I had to wear a tie. That's fine. I'm not going to create controversy over that. That was his practice. He knew it was his practice. He knew it wasn't a Bible thing, but he asked to do that. Okay. How about this one? Maybe the, the rhythm of the songs in worship. If it's got the three, three beat, the four beat, the six beat, and they want to make controversy of that and call one sin and one the other. Or instruments. What instruments are used? I mean, the one, at one time, the controversy was an organ. You're going to put an organ in the church? You've got to be kidding me. And then, then after that came the piano. Piano. Depends on where you're from. Then they came the piano. Oh, then guitars. And oh, God forbid drums. Do you know those come from pagan cultures? Yeah, and so do the clothes you have on. Okay? So some people want to make controversy over these personal preferences and opinions. If they do discuss doctrine, they typically focus on peripheral doctrinal issues. What I would call convictions. 
Ready? Prado baptism, credo baptism. What? Baby baptism, believer baptism. Immersion or sprinkle? What Bible version do you use? Now, these are convictions, and then when they get to doctrine, they, they want to talk about these convictions, and those convictions are often an important part of a person's Christian life, the way they worship and, and so on, and they just, they just they memorize the King James, and they just can't accept it any other way. But do I want to create controversy over that? Man, I remember watching R.C. Sproul, John MacArthur, if you don't know who they are, it doesn't matter. But these guys that hold different forms of infant baptism, believer baptism, sprinkle baptism, dunk baptism. And watch them have dialogue and joke and laugh with each other. That's how it should be on these issues. They're not, they're not issues of salvation. They're not issues about the character, the nature of God, who Jesus is, salvation by grace through faith. Those aren't those kind of issues. But some people want to just stir up. They can't just have a good conversation about it and say, that's in around. I see how you believe that. Well, I believe that. And, and, and each one of them wants to hold on to Scripture for that. I'm not, I'm not arguing that. But it, they do make a Im- big impact uh, on a local church. Those things can have significant influence. Okay. Then there's those people, I guess, who want to stir up confusion um, by really, they draw attention to what I call unsettled issues or questions. All right? Who did Adam's kids marry? Right? We don't know. It's unsettled. Alcohol consumption. Should you drink some? None? What? Well, the Bible doesn't clarify. It says, thou shalt have two beers and two beereth thy only. It doesn't do that. Okay? Why were Jesus' disciples baptizing? It doesn't tell us. Okay? Or some eschatological issue, end times, who the Antichrist is. And I'm going to insist it's Bob, and you're going to insist it's Joe. Okay? Those are questions we don't have the answers to. And God, in his infinite wisdom, didn't give them to us. And you're not wiser than him, so don't try to figure it out. But there are people who want to do that. Now, there are a difference between that and I'll call the absolutes, the core, the nature of God, the Trinity, includes the personhood of the Holy Spirit, the nature of Jesus. I didn't say the Son, I said Jesus. Okay, it's the same, but I'm referring to him as an incarnation. So that would be the gospel, the nature of the incarnation, the virgin birth, the sinless Christ, substitutionary atonement, death on the cross. Physical bodily resurrection, the ascension to the right hand of the Father, salvation by grace through faithful. These kind of things? No, no, no. There, there's no waiver on that. You, you start coming to me and telling me Jesus has a brother named Lucifer. When then we have a, we got to have, this is, this is now down to the core issues. Okay, you want to tell me that, that there aren't three persons in the Trinity or the, or the Holy Spirit's a force, an energy, not a person. Now we're going to start having controversy. Okay, but I think those kind of controversies are worth having, and those we can dialogue on. Even, let's say somebody of some other view. I've dialogued with Buddhist monks, you know, and uh, you can have cordial conversations. It doesn't have to be mean-spirited, okay? But, but to me, biblical sufficiency, inerrancy, supremacy, uh, the, sorry, we don't have a place to start arguing or debating if we don't have that, okay? Um, those things, that's different. I wanted to qualify. That, of course, those things 
we'll say at this point we do divide. But most of the things that happened, like these guys, they're talking over here about purification rites. But they come to him and says, one is stirred. Well, did you know? Well, wait a minute, why didn't you just stay on the purification rites issue? Maybe John could have explained that one. But they brought this other point. You, you've got to learn to recognize when people, whether true Christians or not, or in the body of Christ, or a guy at work that's not a believer, doesn't go to church, he's just trying to create some kind of conflict, controversy, debate on one of these other issues. You can do it right online all the time. The people that are bashing Christian take some peripheral thing. Well, then who did Adam's kids marry? See, that can't be right because they had to have somebody marry. So we... So Christianity's all wrong because you can't figure out how that happened. And I'm not going to break that down. Okay? Learn to recognize when people do that and you're going to find yourself, you're not going to be sucked into the vortex. You're going to be able to do what John did. Uh, he didn't get sucked into that. Okay? But if you wanted to, imagine if they wanted to say, well, but that guy, you, you said he ain't, really, he ain't really the son of God, might have had a different issue. Personal application. It's not about us. Our church, our denomination, our style, our preferences. That's not what it's about. It's about Christ. He's the one that's supposed to be lifted up. He is the preeminent one. It's Christ. So again, if somebody does come to you, come, start talking about Jesus. Start jumping. And, and, and then if they can't say yes with you, like John got them saying, if they can't say yes with you, you know, you really haven't got a place to start. And I don't care how good of a rhetorician you're is, a rhetoric, you're good at speaking and talking and articulate and all that, you're not going to convince them the Holy Spirit does that. Because the only way they can believe is the Lord gives it to them. Okay? Put the attention on Christ. Make it about Him. When others try to create discord, when it comes to your salvation, make sure you make it about Jesus. Realize this, you have to diminish. That's the nature of Christianity. You might have been somebody and something before you came to Christ. But when you think you're all that in a bag of chips too, when you come to Christ, that's got to go away. When you think of yourself more highly than you ought, as Paul says it. No, at this point it isn't. It isn't about your suffering. I, I find it intriguing as an interaction with some of those from the Ukraine. It, they don't want to talk about their suffering. They want to talk about how Christ is sustaining them through it. Yeah, but, you know, you can sell other people, see so you shot them questions. Yeah, but what are you doing about, yeah, but Christ is our, somebody always wants to get them off on the struggle, but they, they just keep coming, they just want to keep coming back to Christ. They realize their suffering has to be diminished. Now, let's get real. It's, it's real suffering. I mean, it's legit. And people are suffering. And if I could, I'd do something about it. I can't even get my own house. Let's put refugees in there. Okay, but I, I'd do something about it if I could. It's, it's real, but I just find it so inspiring and convicting at the same time. Yeah, 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 we're suffering, but you're missing it. God is doing. God is, yeah. In our lives, in our difficulties, our struggles, and all those things, okay, and a sign of maturity is this. When you see God blessing somebody over there, when you can't even get in your house, you have joy for them. Too often when we see God bless someone else in some way, 
They got the perfect husband. They have these beautiful kids. They, whatever it is you think they're blessed by, can you rejoice with them? Or do you, well, God, how come I don't? If you're there, you need, I'm going to be straight, you've got to grow up. Okay? You've got to be able to look at, I, there was a pastor here in town, been here for years, like I have, a long time, and for years he delivered pizzas. Well, he was trying to keep this church going. And he's not of the same theological bent than I am at all. But when he, fin- when he finally was able to pastor the church with a half and deliver pizzas at night, I rejoiced with him. When they finally got out of a rented building and, and got a nice building, I rejoiced with him. I didn't go, God, how come I don't have a building like that? Now, I'm going to be honest. I had to grow and mature in that. That didn't happen overnight. But see, John here has been ministering for some years, and his maturity shows. For one, put Christ first. Two, I recognize if it's happening over there and God's doing it, I'm going to be straight. If Jesus was across town having church, I'd be there. I mean, if Jesus is over here baptizing, I'd leave you too, John. There's no comparison between John and Jesus. It don't, you know, no matter how great God says John is, Jesus is one a whole other class. Put Christ first. Realize that you have to diminish. Be mature enough to rejoice in someone else, God's blessing someone else. And keep your eye open for those who want to create division between you and that other person, God's blessing. Let's stand. Father, I thank you that your word is so practical. It's all about you. But we see you in it. It speaks to our heart and our condition. When we see Christ walking the earth and how he behaved, it speaks to us how we ought to behave. God, you speak to us today through the story of John, his followers, and those who are following Christ. Father, open our hearts. First, open our minds to recognize those who want to come and divide. That we would always speak to them with respect and gentleness. Give them the reasons for what we believe we do, but always respectful. But God, help us in the midst of those conversations to turn it back to Jesus Christ, to give Him the glory for it all. I don't understand it, but I know God. I have nothing unless He gives it. And that includes the church down the street, the neighbor across the road, and the guy in the other cubicle. All we have, O God, You've given us. Help us, O Lord, to be thankful. Help us not to have to be bombed before we recognize you're still a good, marvelous God. To you be the glory, I pray. Amen. This is Pastor Randy Reams, and I want to thank you for joining us today for Truths from God's Unchanging Word. This broadcast is a ministry outreach of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. And if you'd like to hear this message in its entirety or other messages, just visit kindredbible.org forward slash media. And there you can also subscribe to the podcast. If you're being ministered to by this broadcast, I'd like to ask you to consider financially supporting this ministry. Giving is easy. Just go to kindredbible.org forward slash give. There you can make a one-time gift or you can choose to become a monthly supporter. But if you prefer, you can send your gift to KBC PO Box 32 Nampa, Idaho 83653. 
Your prayers, words of encouragement, and financial support helps ensure that this broadcast will continue to be heard in your region and around the world. Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to Truths from God's Unchanging Word.